Seventh episode of the Opvac cast. Joining me today, he's been known to sing Amy Grant's Baby Baby while showering, ladies and gentlemen, Adam Myros. Hi, Steve. Hey, Myros. You got any other Amy Grant songs that you're a big fan of? Uh, you know, I'm sure I've heard plenty, but that's really the only one that people remember, right? Yeah. Do you, do you believe that she turned her back on the church when she went pop and just like went all mainstream? Well, obviously. Oh, shit. <laughs> what a heathen. Uh, he wore a Black Lodge Lives Matter uh, shirt to a Twin Peaks viewing party, and nobody laughed. Jake Trapeel is here. Hey, happy Memorial Day, Steve. What are you thankful for? Uh, is, that, what that, is that what that holiday is for? <laughs> Thanksgiving? <What> the- <laughs> no. <laughs> I, I, is Not that- at all. Uh, Am I the supposed to answer is the troops? Yeah, the troops is. I think that's the only thing you say. Or you can say like cheeseburgers. I, I don't know. Uh, All right, something like that. But yeah, I'm thankful for the troops and cheeseburgers, and most of all, troops who cook me cheeseburgers. Uh, also joining us, so you can catch him by his byline on the uh, Lansing City Pulse, and you can catch his boyish good looks on Tinder. Eric Bailey. Hey guys, thanks for having me back. <laughs> of course. You're not married or anything, are you? No. Okay, that's good. I actually know like almost nothing about you uh, other than you're, you're a good writer, seem like a nice stand-up guy. So, uh, yeah, I figured I'd throw that out there. I'm going to guess at some point he was uh, a renowned swimmer. Yeah, renowned swimmer. Yes. Were, were, you, were you like no, a... Re- renowned is maybe a bit of a stretch, but uh, I, I did all right for myself. You're familiar with water. Yeah. Yes. Okay. <laughs> You didn't. It's you good. didn't have to wear those like arm floaties or anything. No, that's good. <laughs> you know, that's as far was, as I'm concerned. I was a step up from that. <laughs> uh, when, I, when I was telling the guys when I was trying to add you on Skype, uh, I was I was telling them what your email address was, and uh, at first I think Myros thought I said Schwimmer, like David Schwimmer. <laughs> which, if, you, if you're looking for a new Gmail address, I think uh, something with David that's Schwimmer perfect. and it would be nice. Yeah. Uh, anyways. <laughs> Enough about all of your favorite actor from Friends. Uh, we're going to talk Twin Peaks today because, hey, holy shit, it's been, what has it been, 25 years, 20 some odd years? and Twin 26. Peaks, 26, Jesus. Yeah, 26 years. And Twin Peaks is back on our televisions, which is something I never thought would ever happen in a million years. Uh, right now, I think when we're recording this, there's a fifth episode that's going to drop tonight. But we've all watched the first four, which all dropped uh, last Sunday, all at once. And, Is that uh, accurate? Are they releasing the fifth now? I think I think they might just I be think, playing catch-up. No, so uh, they're just playing catch-up? Third and fourth are airing tonight. tonight, and then fifth are, is next week. Ah, uh, yeah. Okay, the still relevant. That's good, though. I mean, we made it a whole five minutes before I got into a gaff, so that's good. <laughs> um, yeah. Anyway, uh, I-, I guess, so... Jake, can you explain if if you're new to Twin Peaks, you don't have to like go through the the story or necessarily what it's about. It's you know, murder Laura Palmer. That's basically the the driving narrative. Although it it veers off quite a few yeah. times. That used to be the driving narrative. Yeah. What's what is David Lynch's relationship to to Twin Peaks? Like, wh- wh- where where's his role in the show, and how the fuck did we get to 26 years later and it's back? 
Well, uh, Twin Peaks, as we all know, debuted, 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 I don't know, in 1990. Uh, it is the brainchild of Twin Peaks and Mark Frost. They are the co-creators. What? Twin Peaks is the name of a guy? What? <laughs> you said it was the... <laughs> the project. project. <laughs> David yeah. Lynch and, and, and Frost. Yeah, okay. David Lynch and Mark Frost had a baby, and that baby's name was Twin Peaks. And uh, it lasted two years before getting canceled. There was a film that Lynch produced a year later, which was hated wrongfully at the time, if you ask me. And then 25 years of essentially nothing until he has been given this golden opportunity to revisit the world of Twin Peaks with Mark Frost and check up on all the characters we know 25 years later. So, and uh, if you ask me, it's a it's an embarrassment of riches. <laughs> so, going back to the original series, though, what happened in the second season? I mean, it goes to shit. I guess we can we can probably all agree on that. But why why does it go to shit? Why the hell is the second season so long? Where was David Lynch in the process during the second season? Was there even supposed to be a second season originally? There was supposed to be a second season. Lynch had no intention of solving Laura Palmer's murder, but NBC, I believe that was the studio, um, pushed him. ABC. Yeah, it was ABC. ABC pushed him to solve the murder, so he did, and then the quality just dropped after that revelation. And Lynch and Frost essentially left the show until the finale, and uh, it was filled in with all sorts of ridiculous filler with every sec- secondary character coming up to get a chance to shine in some of the most asinine plot lines I've that's ever been conceived. <laughs> sure. And I'd say there's there's probably a good stretch of like five or six episodes. So they, they solve the murder, and that's uh, it's a little bit messy. But you would think, oh, that would be in the finale. Who killed Laura Palmer? Tune in to find out. But no, they solve the murder, and then pretty much the, the show just flounders for like six more episodes until Lynch came back for the, the finale, right? That's right, and he's much kinda, more than kinda, six episodes. <laughs> it's like yeah. half the season. Oh Jesus, yeah, and it's it's a, it's a long season too, isn't it? Mm-hmm. It's, I, yeah, it, it certainly was a felt that episode way. Season, I think they solved the murder at, at like episode seven, so they had like this whole like they, they had basically over half the season where it was just. And I agree, it, it wasn't that great, but there were some good moments in there. But yeah, it's 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 sometimes on any. Time, anytime I rewatch it, it's tough to get through. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Well, and when I watched it through for the first time, I kept thinking like, "Oh wow, that's ballsy to solve the murder so early in this season." I wonder what crazy things are going to happen next. And it's just no, it's you know, treading nope. water. <laughs> yeah, I mean, they're more experts than I am uh, as far as Jake and Eric. But I is my understanding that Lynch and Lynch never intended at any point in the series to to solve the murder. So at Correct. least not that early. Yeah. <laughs> So, Fire Walk With Me comes a, a little bit after mm. Twin Peaks is shit-canned by the network. Uh, this, is, <laughs> this is why I, I was a little bit apprehensive before the new season of Twin Peaks started uh, last week. I, uh, this, is, this is another example of maybe not treading water, but it, the entire thing felt like it, it didn't do any service to Twin Peaks as a series, to the mythos of, of you know, the story that they're building and everything. It, was, it just felt like exposition and weird-ass David Lynch shit. 
Uh, yeah, it's about right. <laughs> <laughs> and yet you're a staunch defender, Jake. But I, uh, but I mean that in the best way possible. It is supremely weird David Lynch shit, and it's kind of him really almost turning his back on everything that made the series so beloved and forming his own awful creation from it and uh, putting Laura Palmer front and center to you know give her one last one last hurrah. And I think that was the problem many people had is that with the series ending on a cliffhanger and they found out that the creator of the show is coming back for a film, they would think, oh my God, he's going to wrap this up. It's, that's the best news ever. And then they saw it and uh, were crushingly disappointed that not only did it not solve anything, but it actually go is a prequel to the series, so everything is essentially known before it happens. Yep. Well, it also eschews basically with, the entire sort of cast of characters that people came yeah. to love. Yeah, with the exception of a 40-minute prologue where it follows around characters we've never seen or heard before. <laughs> uh, and And most of the characters are either just like, I, it's like they just intentionally made the FBI agents uh, sort of anti-charisma and just it, it's like the quirk is there, but it doesn't have the charming quirk. And it, it you can feel the intent behind it every step of the way. I don't think it was like a miscalculation by Lynch as far as uh, the tone he hoped to establish. I just think it's bizarre i don't understand lynch's and i suppose we're going to get into that more with this new series but i i guess i don't really understand what lynch's fascination with uh twin peaks is because you know firewalk with me and the new series seem like something like he had lost interest in the subject he was uh discussing in twin peaks and and wanted to do something certainly more extreme and and more dark and and violent and you know, horror driven, but he, for some reason, continuously uh, comes back to this town. And I, I'm not sure why. I don't feel like uh, a lot of this work that came after the series has much of anything to do to the series. I don't uh, do with the series. I don't think it, it really owes a whole lot of debt to the series. And I think it, it kind of confuses me. But, you know, David Lynch is prone to do that. So <laughs> that's kind of <laughs> his thing. Yeah. Okay. So. I guess I, I'm curious, what were you guys, you can answer this all individually, but what were your expectations going into this? Like, what, what did you think Twin Peaks would be coming back 25, 26 years later? Did, I mean, was this something that you're like, oh, it's going to uh, kind of revitalize the series and, and kind of take us from where maybe season two should have gone to, and, and, and sort of, you know, rectify that? Or did you think, that you know, this is going to be some wacky ass David Lynch shit. Because honestly, we haven't we haven't seen anything from Lynch since Inland Empire, which was God a, a decade ago at least, probably more. I think two thousand six, I believe. Yeah, yeah, yeah. There That's you right. go. Uh, so, Jake, what 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 about you? Expectations? What did you think coming into this? You know, I could not even begin to fathom where Lynch would go with the new series. But if I were to guess, I would say he'd probably stick close. And this is only because he'd mentioned that Firewalk With Me is important to understanding the new series. Um, I was assuming that he would go off in this Firewalk With Me direction, which is kind of only, I suppose, tangentially create or, uh, connected to the original series of Twin Peaks. Um, but... I don't know, uh, going into all these new characters and 
um, at the same time, I think I was anticipating him sort of doubling down on the uh, the style he had in like Inland Empire and his later works, um, which he kind of does, but I think in a, the best way possible. But really, honestly, I had no idea what to expect with the new series. Mm-hmm. That's fair. Eric, how about you? Uh, I'm kind of with Jake. I, I didn't quite know what to expect. I actually sort of intentionally just tried not to expect anything because I wanted to go in and just sort of be surprised and um, dumbfounded, I guess you could say, by whatever wacky stuff David Lynch did. But yeah, I was also kind of like expecting in terms of like, is it more like Firewalk with me or the original series? I was definitely thinking, well, he's definitely going to go more in the Firewalk with me direction. Mm -hmm. And and something I was kind of ex- I was expecting more Inland Empire type stuff. Um, maybe not necessarily in terms of the camera work, but just in like how confounding and fractured the narrative and the images are. But I was surprised to find we can get in more into this later. But I was surprised to find that it was kind of more like Mulholland Drive. At mm-hmm. least these first couple episodes reminded me of that. But mm-hmm. um, yeah, I guess yeah, I, I kind of. Yeah, kept myself from thinking about it too much. I just wanted to see where it went, really. Sure, sure. Myros, uh, I mean, I guess same question for you, but also, <laughs> if if someone's listening to this and they're like, "Oh, I've I've never seen Inland Empire. What's that? Uh, can you can you give us a, a brief synopsis of what Inland Empire is, Myros? Good lord! <laughs> <laughs> just you know, one or two quick sentences. Just kind of explain that. Uh, <laughs> hell. <laughs> Uh, Inland Empire is like David Lynch discovered digital photography and just decided to fuck with everyone on Earth. And uh, <laughs> <laughs> that's it's fair. like a sprawling three-hour mess that uh, has some really affecting moments. And but it it works basically as nightmare fuel, and and not much more than that. If you're expecting any sort of coherent narrative, then look elsewhere. But uh. Again, that that's just kind of been post Twin Peaks. His mo, he just is is very disinterested in narrative, mm-hmm. um, and even theme at this point, I think, seems to bore him. He he seems to be more playing around with form than anything else, and uh, that's his prerogative. Yeah. Here's here's one more thing I'm going to add. I if there's anything I was almost certain of, which I'm kind of glad I turned out to be wrong, but I was completely expecting the new Twin Peaks to polarize everyone i think there's going to be a camp of people who were defending it as brilliant and amongst Lynch's best work and i think there was going to be people who outright hated it and uh to my surprise this new revival series has pretty much been universally acclaimed by critics and fans alike ah mm-hmm. uh, wait wait <laughs> <laughs> just i mean With give it some, some time caveats, yeah give it some time i think by the time it's finished airing you're going to hear a lot more people sour on the thing well yeah that that's interesting that you say that like give it some time adam because i think that's actually kind of the sense that i get from a lot of reactions is people like i think whatever lynch did he sort of did set the mood correctly in the sense that he gave like everybody's kind of saying like i sense a kind of trepidation to judge it too quickly from a lot of people um so like that i think that's everybody it feels like everybody's kind of holding back before they like lob those hot takes out there to like i think i think everybody's hesitant to do that at least that's what it feels like to me 
I I totally agree, and I think you'll you'll definitely see that because if there's one thing Lynch is not known for in his late career is like a satisfying conclusion. Uh, <laughs> so I mean, there are people who are going to hate this series. Uh, mm-hmm. It will happen. I just think right now this is a honeymoon. People are like, oh, it's great, it's Twin Peaks, it's back, yeah. And and most people who are paying attention to it are fans of his work. And oh yeah. It, it, that just is what it is. I, as far as my expectations for it going in, I didn't really have a lot. I mean, I was interested in it, and I remain interested in it, but I didn't expect it to be anything particularly special. I mean, it's special in the sense that a cable network just dumped a bunch of money into a very, very experimental and old and, and kind of insane filmmaker and just said, do whatever <laughs> the fuck you want. But it, as far as, like, is it going to be the next TV sensation that everyone's going to like fawn over. I, I just didn't see it. I mean, it was, it's not going to have the same zeitgeist effect that the first one did. And it is a lot of the cast had, had either died or, you know, had been alienated by the process of that second season or, you know, there's a few who have even just kind of retired from show business. And I, I didn't expect it to attempt to recapture the spirit of the original. And I expected what I expect every time I see David Lynch attached to something now, which is I expect it's going to be interesting and frustrating and uh, it'll be worth watching, but it's not, it's not, it's going to be something that keeps me at an arm's distance. (laughs) That's fair. Hmm. Uh, Yeah. I I don't know. So I'm going to, I'm going to be the one, I'm going to be the naysayer here because why the hell not? I'm a little concerned about, (laughs) <laughs> what I've seen so far. And that's not to say that I haven't enjoyed the first four episodes, because I have. Uh, the The problem that I have is it, it kind of goes back to some of the issues with Firewalk With Me, where right now in this new season of Twin Peaks, and again, we're only four episodes in, there's plenty to go, the town of Twin Peaks itself doesn't seem particularly important to the narrative. And also, there's roughly a million different threads and a lot of really surreal, weird shit going on. <laughs> and I, I don't know. It's hard for me to say, yeah, I know David Lynch is going to tie this all together because, as we've sort of discussed, he doesn't really like to do that at all, which is fine. That's his prerogative. I mean, he did get thrown a bunch of money to do this, and they said, do whatever the hell you want. And if you don't put a leash on David Lynch and give him a bunch of money, he's going to run wild. That's what he does. So <laughs> uh, it's... I, I don't know, because right now, I guess, where the new season is at is you, you have two different things that are sort of paralleling each other. Uh, on one hand, you have all the old familiar faces that we're sort of revisiting who, uh, you know, it's same same people, same lives. Like they, they don't seem to have grown very much. And then, on the other hand, you have just this completely insane, like, these Black Lodge sequences, which is this weird, like, purgatory dream world where Agent Dale Cooper has been trapped for, you know, 25 years or whatever. And you have these things sort of running parallel to each other, and, and, but there's no, there's no cohesion. Like, nothing is, is gelling so far. So it's, it's really difficult to say, yeah, this is brilliant. It's like, well, it looks cool, and sometimes it's funny, and I, I don't know where the hell it's going. Yeah, I think I'm, I'm kind of with you on naysaying. I mean, I will watch the entire series, and I am still you know, quite interested in where it's headed, but it is just an immensely frustrating piece of television thus far. There are just stretches of this that 
involve wow. endless tedium. Like it is, it is to me. <laughs> there are moments, especially in the the episodes that are dropping this weekend, where and we are going to get into spoilers, ladies and gentlemen. But it's not going to make any sense anyway. So don't yeah, really fucking concern matter. yourself with <laughs> the fucking plot of this. Um, where the uh, there's a duality at play. I, to me, I, I suppose this most reminds me of Lost Highway as far as his, his work, but it's very interested in duality. And uh, it has this fractured Dale Cooper, and uh, when he escapes from the Black Lodge, uh, he inhabits the body of some sort of, I don't know if he's supposed to be like a synthetic creation of the evil Kyle McLaughlin or what, but uh, that seems to be the implied uh, narrative at this point. But he uh, he has amnesia, and he just kind of stumbles around a casino seeing, like, holograms of the Black Lodge over slot machines and winning jackpots. And this goes on for, like, <laughs> 25 minutes of him just stumbling around a casino going, whoa! <laughs> winning jackpots, like... You that was amusing the first time I saw it, but Lynch just has he, he literally probably wins ten jackpots while we're watching. <laughs> I mean, he wins more than that uh, in the narrative, but we we sit there and watch him shamble from slot machine to slot machine, <laughs> saying hello over and over again. Are you, are you guys a little bit disappointed that I didn't start the podcast with hello? <laughs> you probably dropping an audio track from the yeah, show or something. There you go. We'll just and do that. I almost found like the the follow up even more frustrating where it's just like him, his morning routine and he can't get dressed and there's just someone dressing him in like a vegetal state and he's just like sitting silently at a breakfast table and it just it goes on and on and on it's like i don't understand how again i i, I can put up with this i've got a strong sense of patience and a, and a good stomach on me but like, if, if you're just, like, imagine your mom sitting down to watch this hot cable show she's heard something about, and this is what the fuck David Lynch is doing? Yeah. Well, I think uh, on, a, on a previous episode of Shotgun Wedding, we were discussing the movie Happiness, and the subject came up of, you know, like, this is, this is something good, like, this is a, a good movie, but who the hell do you recommend this to? And the new season of Twin Peaks has a lot of that going on. Like, it, I mean, the the people who I can recommend this to already know about it. Like, I, I I can't think of anyone I know who's like an avid TV series watcher, and that I'd be like, oh yeah, you got to check this out right now. It's like, no, you need a lot of preparation here. <laughs> if you're not intimately familiar with literally everything David Lynch has done up to this point, at least from the late or from like Eraserhead, uh, you know, to uh, Blue Velvet, uh, Lost Highway, Mulholland Drive, Inland Empire, Fire Walk With Me, the original Twin Peaks, then then you're ready for this. But if you, if you don't have that familiarity coming in, it's just like, what the fuck am I watching? <laughs> so yeah, He's yeah. like, I feel like he is just actively antagonizing the audience at parts of this. And again, he's allowed to do that. Have at it. But uh, it's, it's wow. not going to... I, I don't get the universal praise, I guess. I'm not watching this going, what another home run? It's like, okay, I, 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 I'm going to wait. You know, Let's see where he's going with this. And there's moments, you know, it can come off that tedium. And the, at the end of episode four, where, where we get back with Lynch's FBI director and uh, the late Miguel Ferrer, and they are interviewing the evil Cooper, and it is just 
a their chemistry is fantastic. It's a very light and humorous, and it feels the most tonally in tune with the old series. But it's also gripping and terrifying, and really had me going, "Where is this headed?" As opposed to you know a guy stumbling around in a catatonic state, where I was like, you know, where this should be headed to the cutting room fucking floor. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, it's a, it's a little disheartening here. All this, uh, all this naysaying going on over <laughs> on that, that end. I know. Listen, I gotta, I gotta say, I think these are like the four greatest episodes of Twin Peaks I've ever seen. Um, and, and and even I hotter admit, take. <laughs> I will admit the pace does slacken in episodes three and four, as Myros yeah. just described. But I mean, the first two episodes are. Like I, it's it's really it's indescribable to borrow a phrase from our pal Sean Glennis. Um, and I can't quite put my finger on it, but it it's a it's a thing that's it's either gonna work for you or it's not. And just watching these episodes, I, I it, it like Lynch is like tapping into the, this this primal thing that I found so fascinating and compelling and exciting, and I just wanted more. It. I- it it's it's like the and I'm not just saying that like oh it's more Twin Peaks on the air you know we can get excited about something I think this is like this is like the amalgamation of all of Lynch's works and uh-huh. how he's really just coalesced into this this master filmmaker and I think it's just a bold brilliant show that he's created here is this follow up series yeah I I agree like I if anything what what one of the things that I love most about it is that, like, leading up to this, I I was re- seeing a bunch of people saying, like, oh, Twin Peaks is really going to have to up its game because there's so much surreal television and so many surreal films out there. There's so many, like, <laughs> Lynchian films out there. You know, like, people compare it to, like, say, Hannibal or The Leftovers, which, had, oh. which are very influenced by Twin Peaks and Lynch more broadly. Um, and there's all these people just saying, like, oh, they're – Twin Peaks is really going to have to up its game because, you know, there's so much stuff like it on TV now. And I'm just like, are you kidding me? And it's like watching this made me realize, I'm like, yeah, those shows are great and they do their thing very well. But it's like there's just kind of nothing like the real thing. And like when you're sitting there watching something that David Lynch himself has done, mm-hmm. the difference is stark and it, it it's it's quite noticeable. And that's sort of what I love about it, because just like. The way he frames things, the way he holds a shot, the way he – like the mood he creates through like sound and like his performance, like how he directs his actors. It's a, there, it, it all just adds up in a way that's just it's, – it's kind of mesmerizing. Even if you don't like it, it it's kind yeah. of difficult to take your eyes off of it. Sure. You see, I think a lot of that, like what you're saying about something like The Leftovers, which has, especially in the second season, a lot of like consciously – lynchian episodes and sequences and it feels like homage and yeah to me that's where this loses me a bit because i think um lynch created that imagery he was you know he created that sort of medium of storytelling in many ways and obviously he's building off the work of others to an extent but he was like a wholly original talent and seeing him work in the black lodge again it fails to interest me it's not – it's territory that is well-tried for me. It's not – I don't need to see the Black Lodge again with a, a brain tree in it. It's all reminiscent <laughs> of his old work. It all feels like 
been there, done that. Like the most compelling thing in the first, the opening episodes to me was something that had absolutely nothing to do with Twin Peaks. Uh, that New York sequence, which oh, yeah. was very tense and very reminiscent of some of the better scenes in his recent work where it's, it's mm-hmm. basically, and it, it, again, it's a scene where nothing is happening. It's a guy watching a fucking glass box, but it is, <laughs> it is as a, he is building tension in that scene though. It's, it's ratcheting. You're like, what, what is going to happen here? You're just on the edge of your seat. Uh, and it works perfectly. It's very mysterious and very interesting. And, <clears throat> In the end, it, it's it's nothing to do with Twin Peaks, like I said, which is why I, I wonder why in the hell this is. Why isn't it just like David Lynch presents nineteen hours of television? Because that yeah, might be fun. Work better for me. I have a question for you, Myros. Are, are you? Do you just feel that way about the Black Lodge because uh, you you miss Michael J. Anderson's Man from Another Place? Uh, <laughs> sure. I mean, it doesn't. He's, he's an iconic part of that imagery yeah. but a, me, a cgi just... brain tree can't dance the way that he can i am the arm <laughs> uh, it's just uh it's just what did that add like what is the black lodge at this point like it this is what i miss i guess where jake feels and i i understand jake and eric are both far more universally into david lynch than i am i think he's yeah. an incredibly gifted and unique filmmaker who is not interested in making things that people enjoy anymore. And I, I, I feel like where you could say he is, has evolved into a master filmmaker to me, he's kind of devolved in a way. Like I find his earlier work so much more satisfying, even up to twin peaks where, you know, the black lodge and Bob were representing something. The the show was about a cycle of abuse and, what is this show about? What is it going? I mean, you could say, wait and see, but I guarantee you the answer is fucking nothing because <laughs> none of this, none of this means anything. It could not possibly mean anything. It's like it, it's nonsense. It's a lot of nonsense, and it's it's compelling and effective nonsense. But this, the stuff that's happening in the Black Lodge and all this stuff that's occurring in this show is not symbolic of anything. <laughs> uh so. I think it's interesting too that <laughs> that was a scorching hot. The, the takes are getting hotter and hotter. Even well, I mean, even, if I'm going to jump, I'm going to jump in here. Even yeah, if like, ahead. even if the series doesn't end in a, I don't know, a satisfying manner. I mean, to me, that's not going to discredit the journey. I, yeah. it's not going to make me think any less of these episodes. And and I mean, you're right. One of the most compelling bits in the first episode was a character watching a glass box in a warehouse surrounded by cameras. And I was completely tense during that scene because I genuinely didn't know what was going to happen next. And also there's seemingly unrelated to the town of Twin Peaks. Uh, It was this murder of a woman in South Dakota and Matthew Lillard is um, blamed for the murder because his fingerprints were at the scene. But it's implied that he's had some sort of killer Bob type possession and and it may not seem like it's connected at all, but I I I bet you I'm willing to bet you, Adam, that if this will all come back all together to the town of Twin Peaks, which not, is why? more is ro- more of a why not? Um, you know, I, I think Twin Peaks. Twin, you're getting you're getting hung up on the town of Twin Peaks. I know it's a it's a place, but I think it's more of a, a state of mind. I'm really not hung up on the town of Twin Peaks. I wish it didn't exist in this show, <laughs> honestly. All these scenes with these old people who are not even really actors, just wheeling about, it just feels so out of place now. It, I, I wish this was not Twin Peaks. 
I don't want him playing in that same sandbox anymore. But I feel the opposite. I and I think that when they bring in all the old characters, you know, aside from Cooper, where we've only only had like a handful of scenes with some of the original cast, but it never really feels like. Just as a terrible example, it never feels like a Fuller House reunion where it's like, "Hey, yeah. remember this guy?" It, it's it's like, "Oh my God, these are characters that I once loved and cared about, and how great is it to see them again?" And yeah. like, like take James for example. If you've seen season two of Twin Peaks, you know that James goes on the worst fucking subplot I've ever seen. <laughs> And then, but he has one five-minute scene in a bar in this new season with the chromatics playing in the background, and just the character all of a sudden was like, "Oh my god, James is great. James is fucking cool." <laughs> I, I don't know, just some something that Lynch has, is capable of, of transcending his original creation is what I'm getting at here. But yeah, yeah I, I'm I'm enamored with Twin Peaks. I actually have a theory about James. If you guys will indulge me for a second, uh, <laughs> hit me. So. Obviously, in season two, in season one, James is is kind of a he's a wet blanket, but he's he's fine. He serves a purpose. In season two, James becomes completely insufferable, and I I kind of want to punch him in the neck. Uh, when <laughs> when they, when they had that scene in the bar, and I think it's was that episode four, episode three. I think it's episode three, episode two. Yeah, episode two. Oh, you know, yeah. I was going to get there Very eventually. End of episode two. But they're saying, oh, yeah, James is really cool. And then someone else is sitting at the table is like, oh, I don't know. And then whoever else is like, no, you know, he was he was in a motorcycle accident. So he's just a little slow or something like that. And then it clicked with me. Yeah, he's quiet now. So I like to think that the motorcycle accident actually happened before even like fire walk with me, which explains why he's a catatonic idiot for most of (laughs) the original series. See, I don't want to get I don't want to be. Mr. Negative here. I, you know, I look at that glass box scene and I say, yes, absolutely. I agree 100%. That is the magic of David Lynch. He made this scene of a guy sitting and watching a glass box one of the most 10 minutes, uh, most compelling 10 minutes of television I've seen in years. And then it just retreats to this sort of tired, very played out imagery to me. Like, I, I just, I wish you would just play in that sandbox i'm not i don't want to revisit the old stuff so much because that's never what david lynch has been about he's been about forging ahead and doing new stuff at at every any cost it seems like you know at the cost of an audience at the cost of you know a lot of he doesn't have the audience he used to and that's fine i i think he has the respect of of virtually everyone in the film community and he deserves it but i just what frustrates me is that a lot of what works here is totally disconnected from the original series. And it makes me go, uh, why are we even like, and you could say, you know what? I bet you it comes around and it's all connected to the town of twin peaks. But what does that matter? I don't need, I don't need some like loose narrative tie in that it all comes back to this swirling vortex in twin peaks. Cause that's not what the original series is about. It's about a cycle of abuse. It's about uh, murder and horrible things. And it's, the, the symbolism is representative of concrete feelings, and that's where Lynch has lost me more in recent years. Where I just I feel like it's imagery for imagery's sake, and I it it always ends up feeling kind of antagonistic to me. And I think this show is very consciously antagonistic, and I think that's where the blowback is going to come from. But I'm I'm happy to take the journey. I as much as I have criticisms of it, I also am really 
enjoying it and I'm very glad it, it came to pass. I think it's fantastic for the medium that this has happened. <laughs> yeah, yeah, no, I, I agree. And obviously I'm, I'm giving the show some shit right now, but I, I really am. I, I'm interested in what I've seen so far. I want to see it all the way through. And I, I think that there's a lot of potential for my enjoyment to ramp up. Uh, one of the things, a few minutes back we were talking about, how people have said that, oh, you know, like television audiences are finally ready for David Lynch because of all the, the surreal things that we've seen on television. And I, I know we mentioned Hannibal, and I think this is where people are sort of maybe misguided in, in making those kind of connections because a show like Hannibal is it's a concrete, simple, straightforward narrative that has, that's like uh, punctuated by these surreal moments. And then we get kind of like pulled back out of that, that surreal world and we're and we're back in this concrete narrative whereas lynch's films feel like the inverse of that especially in later years especially with things like inland empire and uh, what i've seen so far of the new season of twin peaks is we're sort of awash in this surreal world that doesn't completely feel connected and then occasionally occasionally he'll just give us little chunks of narrative that that may or may not be that important we don't know <laughs> so I, I don't think i don't think anybody's ready for this if unless they're already familiar with the man's work, but at the same time, I'm glad that this exists. Like I, w- I want more things like this. Find more people who are singular filmmakers, one of a kind guys who have really amazing artistic vision, and just give them fucking money and let them do shit. Yeah, honestly, yeah. I feel like the the landscape of modern television is, if anything, prepared people less for David Lynch. Like it's yeah. so reliant on serialization and yeah. and story arcs, and that is. It's just not what you're going to get here. <laughs> and 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 critics are so lately have been uh, the way people sort of watch and interpret television has become so literal minded. Like this means this, and what this says about this, and it becomes and it's a lot about like sort of social progressive issues. And not that people shouldn't look through it all through that lens, but it's like David Lynch, his style and his approach to filmmaking does not lend itself to that sort of. Um, a ne- kind of analysis of art and entertainment, and, and I think, yeah, I, I the think, same with oh, like uh, and even with like shows like Westworld, where people will take to the internet to discuss, you know, where they think it's going and their theories and ideas. And the thing about Twin Peaks is that you can't really have any fan theories because you you genuinely don't know what's going to happen next with this show. Oh, yeah. it just it totally. It, squashes any sort of preconceived notion that um you can figure out where it's going just based on what you've seen and what you know of the characters oh yeah at the end of season two if you had told i wouldn't have been able i don't think anybody guessed that oh the next episode is gonna end with cooper being teleported to this like castle with this purple room and with a woman with her eyes shown up and the editing is going to get really jittery and then she he's going to climb up this ladder and he's going to be on top of a cube in outer space and it's like it, nobody would have thought that that was going to happen and yeah. like that's what's so great about this show yeah nobody would have ever guessed dougie jones would appear <laughs> <laughs> in that hideous hideous lime green suit that's like nine sizes too big for kyle mclaughlin he looks goddamn ridiculous i was seriously like uh, i was i really want that suit <laughs> I was like snort laughing when I was watching it just because I couldn't I couldn't deal with him in the suit. Uh, no, I, I think you guys make a good point, and I'm interested to see once we get a little bit deeper into this season and, and once the season wraps up, how internet fan culture is going to try and dissect this because, again, I think Westworld's a great example where I felt like 
every other day there is some article on Vox or you know whatever and it's just like oh this amazing fan theory of blah 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 which is not to discount like if if you're the kind of person who who really likes to to you know come up with you know fan fiction or alternative narratives for shows that you like and you really like Daniel like, that's fine i'm not i'm not you know i don't give that a shit it's fun yeah it's good know, fun but the the, but the problem is is you you can't i think there's some satisfaction like people take shows serialized shows and and they they treat them like puzzles, I guess, in a way, yeah. sometimes. And this is – David Lynch's movies and, and television series, they're not Rubik's Cubes. You can't just solve them no matter how much brain power you put yeah. behind them. Like, there's shit that's not going to make any fucking sense, okay? You can get close, yeah. but you can never – the pieces will never 100% fit together. Yeah. He took and a handful of puzzles and chopped off some of the pieces with scissors and then threw them into the pile for you. That's yeah. Lynch. Yeah. Exactly. Yeah. Exactly. That's and, one of the negative side effects of Lost, I think. Even though I really like that show, I think that's – it did have that kind of negative impact on TV fandom and TV viewing of just like, oh, this means this and we can predict with how it's going to happen here. And it's like, just watch the thing. Just experience <laughs> yeah. it and have fun it. With it. Yeah, it's so it's so stupid with stuff like Westworld. It's just such a like a light popcorn TV show. It'd be like yeah. fans speculating halfway through fucking Jurassic Park or something. It's like why? No. It's what? Not, this it's, is not something that needs to be cracked. It's not a difficult fucking piece of media. <laughs> well, and, exactly. and this is what do you need to prove to me how smart you are? Because you could fucking watch the easiest thing on earth and go, oh, I guessed where it's going. It's like, oh, who cares? <laughs> yeah, it's like it's not like Westworld is just like uber profound piece of art too where it's no. like there's so much to unpack to, uh, we shouldn't harp on westworld too much but you know <laughs> <laughs> well yeah it's the thing is i like that show and it was fine but i don't get why people do this you it's just like a, you just like movies and television shows where people fuck robots that's that's my assessment of that <laughs> <laughs> doing that and uh, ex machina right um it's like if people think if people think that's like really intelligent then Man, th- again, this is going to hit him like a hammer. I just, I don't know which backlash I look forward to less. Like, I don't, I don't, <laughs> I, I don't want to be on the internet when this show concludes because people who are going to be like desperately trying to prove that they understand it all and uh, they're smart enough to be down with this uh, are going to be quite insufferable. And, you know, it's also going to be equally frustrating to listen to people who are just like, oh, this is bullshit because it's, yeah. It's one it man's vision. Like you're already in that camp, though, Adam. <laughs> yeah, right. <laughs> I, I know there are things about it that frustrate me, but oh, okay. this is a show where it, it, what happened here is is just unprecedented. They gave a very old, pretty much retired filmmaker a fuckload mm-hmm. of money and just said, "Here's 19 hours to do whatever the fuck you want." And God bless. I might I'm going to have frustrations with it because David Lynch is a frustrating guy, but oh, yeah. I don't care. I'm going to be there every Sunday. Mm-hmm. Yep. Same. Yeah. Sweet. But I'm also not going to say I got everything about it. I I get what he was going for here. And, and part of that I'm, is too, like again, like people get joy out of doing that. And if if that's if that's like how you get your jollies by just analyzing the shit out of something to find an answer that may or may not exist, then that's fine. That's good by you. But I, I think yeah, like part of it's conditioning too. Like, I think Eric, you mentioned Lost, and and that sort of set a lot of this in emotion. But I also think. 
even with the popularity of uh, say like the Marvel movies, how people are always like, oh, look at this Easter egg. Oh, look at this thing in the trailer, and this and that, and this and that. And, and there's God. There's entire like YouTube channels dedicated to uh, nerdy ass fuckboys who just spend you know twenty minutes analyzing a two minute trailer for fucking Thor. Like you don't need to do that. It's fine. Just <laughs> this. This scene proves who Ray's parents are in Star Wars. It's like who cares? Like we'll find out at some point. Like <laughs> or, or maybe or maybe we it's won't. The Last okay Jedi. Too. What does that mean? <laughs> God. The the only uh. the only fan theory thing that uh, I enjoyed about the the Last Jedi was when somebody pointed out that the poster looks exactly like a Friday the Thirteenth poster, which I thought was fucking hilarious. So. <laughs> that was funny. So yeah. maybe it's actually a sequel to Jason X. Fingers crossed. We'll see. <laughs> <laughs> I would yeah, see that. David Lynch. <laughs> Friday the 13th in space. Oh, God, this is a guy, keep in mind, if, if you're not familiar with David Lynch, this is a guy where I, I read, there was an article on Vice, and it was a guy who was an extra in Inland Empire, and he just talked about how he got like repeatedly attacked by a monkey that David Lynch had on set, and David Lynch yelled <laughs> at him and like told him to feed the monkey jelly beans so it wouldn't like claw his eyes out or something. Like this is this is the guy we're dealing with. We're dealing with monkey jelly bean guy. <laughs> he's he's a kind of crazy guy, you know. I, again, we had in our previous uh, shotgun wedding, you know, we compared uh, Todd Solon's film to Blue Velvet, and. Think about that. Say HBO through uh, 19 episodes of Todd Solondz. You think that every minute of that show is going to be a satisfying watch? No, it's not going to happen. Talk about it's somebody who likes to antagonize terrifying and frustrating and uh, tedious, and it won't work. But that's all right. It, it'll be fascinating the whole way through. Yeah, absolutely. So uh, I, I don't know. I'm, I'm struggling to figure out how we should wrap up our discussion of this. I guess ultimately, like, what what do you want? To, like, is is David Lynch going to retire? Do you think this is a wave, like, a step up for him to make more movies? Like, what do you want from David Lynch? Where do where do you want his art to go, basically, in your dream world? Not that he's going to do that. He's probably going to do the exact opposite of what you want because he's David Lynch. But where where do you see him going with this? Who are you addressing oh, well, that to, Steve? Uh, well, you I'll, jump I'll, in. I'll, I'll I'll go first. Um, He's so he said that he recently said um, that he was done making feature films and then recently uh, backpedaled on that and said that he's not discounting the idea of doing another feature film in the future. So, again, much like the revival series of Twin Peaks, I don't know where David Lynch is going to go after this. Um, you know, if something tragic should happen and this is his swan song, I would I would probably be satisfied with that. But if he goes on and makes something else, I will certainly be looking forward to it, whether it's a uh, a movie or um, or any kind of new series. Uh, we can only hope for the best. Same same for me. I kind of hope this is. I hope I hope this is his last thing. I hope we get at least maybe like a couple more movies or another series or I mean if they're feeling up to it maybe even another like a fourth season of Twin Peaks I'd be okay with that too depending on how this one ends and where where it goes but I mean I think a key thing about the original series was that it was kind of like a creative turning point for him like it sort of marked the, that transition point between like the early stuff like Blue Velvet and Eraserhead and Wild at Heart and like the sort of mid to late period stuff like Lost Highway and Straight Story and Mulholland Drive and 
I don't know. I think it'd be kind of interesting if this season was also like kind of yet another turning point where like he grows even more and then like maybe he makes a couple more films and like we could consider that his late period. I don't know. I just I just love for him to have more. I know he's been doing stuff since Inland Empire, like TV commercials and, you know, art projects. And he's been making weird furniture <laughs> and stuff like that. Too, yeah. yeah. And that's great, but I'd love to see like major stuff by Lynch, by like uh, like more television and film out where that's more widely available. I'd like to see more stuff from him, but like Jake said, if this is the last thing that he does, I'll be okay with it. He's had a pretty great career, if you ask me. I, he's one of my favorite filmmakers, and I think his whole body of work up to this point is represents a stellar filmography. But um, I'd want more, but I'd be satisfied if this was his last thing. Hmm. See, I'm with Eric. I hope this is a, a turning point, and he turns back to the pre-Twin Peaks days, <laughs> where he was concerned with satisfying people to some extent. Uh, but in reality, that's not going to happen. And uh, you know, I don't want—I don't have any demands for David Lynch. I, I hope he just does whatever the hell he feels like. He's earned it. Yes, exactly. <laughs> Well, actually, I, I, I do have one more question for you guys, and this is probably the biggest question of the night. I can't believe that I skipped over this. So in the new season of Twin Peaks, obviously David Lynch brought back a good portion, almost all of the cast from uh, the original series 25 years later. Why did he also choose to bring back special effects technology from that era? <laughs> Notably the horrific CGI. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it is It is rough. <laughs> some of it is – some of it – I think works well. I think like it's it, it has that uncanny quality that mm. he likes. Um and and like as someone pointed out, I think I saw an interview with him that Mark Cousins did for that old show scene by scene and Mark Cousins pointed out that like you know, the type of filmmaking you do in terms of special effects like it could have been done in the 1920s. Like mm. it's a lot of in-camera stuff. And so he likes that stuff. I don't think he likes that like big expensive CGI that you're going to see on Game of Thrones or some shit. Sure, like yeah. I think I think he likes that stuff because it calls attention to itself and because it's so bad, but it's also like it's eerie. Like uh, like Cooper floating through the glass box looked mm. so fake, but at the same time it was again, it was kind of mesmerizing. It was just like that just looks so bad but also it looks it looks weird and i can't tell if it's bad weird like oh that's just bad cgi or if it's weird like it's supposed to be like it's supposed to be weird i mean it's probably supposed to be weird it's david lynch but <laughs> yeah i think my favorite was uh the long deceased don s davis's zordon head floating through space uh, underneath <laughs> yeah that was, was pretty like, good what was going on <laughs> Yeah, that's that came to mind. That was just <laughs> well, and I guess the other thing is, is I can't think of another David Lynch movie where I've seen him use computer generated effects at all. Uh, yeah, so it was it was kind of in the episode where uh, the guy is watching the glass box and he's with that woman, and then they get their faces gnawed off by uh, whatever the CGI blob from nineteen ninety three. Like it was, it was incredibly jarring because just because I'm familiar with Lynch's work, I was just like, "What the fuck? He's never done this before." Jesus, like, <laughs> yeah, I'm not, I'm not one that's really gets hung up on 
uh, special effects unless they're jarringly bad. But I was yeah. not bothered by the quality of the effects here. Me neither. And no, again, not I'm not, much. and I'm not saying that just because I'm fawning over the new series. I mean, just something. And and again, this the, the series did. We should mention the series had a relatively small budget and crew to make yeah. all these episodes. And I'm I'm still surprised that coming off of Inland Empire as his last major work, that the series now looks as good as it does. Yeah. Because um, it could have been a hell of a lot worse on handheld DTV cams. Mm-hmm. But, uh, <laughs> yeah, the, spe- the special effects, I don't know. There's something Cooper falling through space, uh, uh, well, obviously fake, but it's just something something kind of charming about it, really. Sure, yeah. Yeah, well, I, yeah, I mean, I would attribute it to intentionalism you know i think all of it was his choice i don't think this looks like shit because he doesn't understand the special effects or something like that it's everything looks the way it's supposed to look i believe that just based on having seen his entire body of work yeah i think every thing everything was a choice if he wanted it to look good i'm sure he could have convinced showtime to give him a little bit more money to make it good like literally fifty dollars (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> <laughs> or he could have you know he could have used different sorts of effects it, yeah. it's it's all very intentional I, I mean you look at something like inland empire there are segments of that film that are pretty much shot on handheld handy cams and uh it's yeah. not like he did it because he had to for budgetary reasons he he, he did it for he a reason that look right mm-hmm. no absolutely yeah and i mean i obviously i'm ribbing david lynch and twin peaks a little bit here but yeah i, I think it's it's interesting as far as like it draws attention to itself, uh, which is I, I don't know it's 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 an interesting choice to say the least. Yeah. So, so yeah, I, I guess I mean I think we pretty much covered everything that we wanted to. Is there anything else you guys want to jump in and say before we wrap things up? So yeah, I have a theory about uh, this one line of dialogue that uh, uh, Cooper said. No, I'm I got nothing. <laughs> uh, I believe Twin Peaks takes place in the Game of Thrones universe. Uh, let me uh, diagram this for you. Uh, anytime I, I start reading, I, I think I just hate read them. But whenever I see an article, it's just like <laughs> you won't believe this fan theory. It's like oh, I bet I will, and then I start reading it, and it reminds me of. That episode of Is Always Sunny in Philadelphia where Charlie's working in the mail room and he thinks there's like a mail conspiracy and he just has like red lines drawn to all this mail everywhere and he's just smoking cigarettes and freaking out. So I go down to Carol in HR and I'm knocking on the door, Carol, Carol. (laughs) Yeah, that's exactly it. That's my all-time favorite It's Always Sunny Mm -hmm. sequence. Now now we're going to have all like Tumblr coming for our, our heads, so... Good job. Well, that would involve uh, them listening to this podcast. Aha! It will be all right. We've outsmarted all of them. Excellent. <laughs> uh, yeah. Okay. So, yeah, I guess that, that pretty much wraps things up. So, uh, Myros, where can people find you on the internet? Anywhere? Can we find you anywhere? Uh, you'd have to look pretty hard. I'm on Facebook. But... <laughs> Grandma. <laughs> uh, Eric, where can we find you? You on Twitter or anything? I'm on Twitter at Eric Bailey, big E. Uh, and Big B. Uh, that doesn't matter. Is, is that your whole <laughs> handle? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Just look for Big E and Big B. <laughs> At Big B and Big E. Yeah. yeah. How do we get? You should change it to that. I think we've got a winner. Yeah, that's good. I'm on Letterbox too. Ooh. At Eric Bailey. Look at you. Fancy, fancy. Yeah, I got I to gotta update my Letterbox. <laughs> I got to write my, uh, my review of... Uh, uh, the bees, and I, I also need to write a review of Demonoid, which is a, a, a movie about uh, people who 
cut off left hands, and then the left hands become possessed by Satan, and then they murder people. That sounds wonderful. Wow. Yeah, it's it's dog shit. Uh, but it, you know, <laughs> with a premise like that, how could I not watch? Uh, I do recommend the bees though because it has John Saxon doing yoga, and uh, there's bees, so it's pretty cool. <laughs> anyway, uh, Jake, where can we find you? Yeah, I'm pretty much everywhere at Jake Tropila, T R O P I L A. Hit me up. <laughs> Slide into his DMs. Uh, you can yeah. find me on Twitter at Steve Cuff. That's at Steve C U F F. Yeah, that's that's about it for me. Also, please follow us on Twitter at Optimism Vaccine. Uh, you can also email us if you have questions, comments, thoughts on Twin Peaks, uh, thoughts on why we're assholes for not liking fan theories. OptimismVaccine at gmail.com is the place to tell us all those wonderful things. And if you're listening right now and you absolutely love us, because of course you do, what you need to do is you need to go to iTunes, you need to give us a five-star review, and write a review. Don't just give us the stars. Write a written review. Why on earth would you do that? Because written reviews increase our visibility on iTunes. Uh, When we have more visibility, more people can listen to podcasts, more people to listen, more cool shit that we can do for you. So there's a link. Literally, you're you're listening to this right now. Scroll down. Just move your thumb like a half an inch. It's right there. Just click it. Just tap it. That's it. That's it. That's all you got to do. And then just write a review. It's real simple. Real easy. Right, Jake? That's right, Steve. That's right. Was that your last word or do you want a new last word? Hello! It's me.